Coming up on 5-Minute News. UN Assembly denounces Russia as Ukrainian city falls. Judge protects family from Texas anti-trans order. And Democrats pushing ahead on Supreme Court vote. It's Thursday, March 3. I'm Anthony Davis. Ukraine's second biggest city, Kharkiv, suffered heavy bombing on Wednesday as Russia's week-long invasion was denounced by the United Nations in an historic vote and dozens of countries referred Moscow to be probed for potential war crimes. The UN Refugee Agency says one million people have fled Ukraine since Russia's invasion less than a week ago. An exodus without precedent in this century for its speed. The incursion has yet to overthrow the government in Kiev, but thousands are thought to have died or been injured, and it could cause another deep hit to the global economy still emerging from the coronavirus pandemic. In Ukraine, the human toll was mounting in Kharkiv, a city of 1.5 million people, where bombing has left its centre a wasteland of ruined buildings and debris. A UN resolution reprimanding Moscow was supported by 141 of the Assembly's 193 members, passed in a rare emergency session, a symbolic victory for Ukraine that increases Moscow's international isolation. More is at stake than even the conflict in Ukraine itself. This is a threat to the security of Europe and the entire rules-based order, US Secretary of State Antony Blinken told reporters after the vote. An investigation into possible war crimes will immediately be opened by the International Criminal Court, following requests by 39 of the court's member states, an unprecedented number. The Kremlin said its forces had taken the Black Sea port of Kherson, a southern provincial capital of around 250,000 people, strategically placed where the Dnipro River flows into the Black Sea. Late on Wednesday, the Kherson mayor said that Russian troops were in the streets and had forced their way into the city council building after a day of conflicting claims over whether Moscow had made the first major gain of a city in its invasion that began eight days ago. Diplomatic efforts to resolve the crisis have so far failed. A Texas judge has temporarily shielded two parents, their transgender daughter and her psychologist on Wednesday from Republican Governor Greg Abbott's order, describing certain forms of treatment for transgender youth as child abuse. The parents, child and the provider sued Abbott on Tuesday, saying the unconstitutional decree struck terror in the family. The mother, identified only in the petition as Jane Doe, is an employee of the Texas Department of Family and Protective Services, which is a co-defendant in the lawsuit. The narrow temporary restraining order applies only to the named plaintiffs in the case. Judge Amy Clark Meacham from Travis County's 201st Civil District Court set a hearing for March 11 to determine whether she should grant a statewide temporary injunction that would prevent the investigation of any reports of people facilitating or providing gender-reaffirming care to transgender minors solely based on the fact that the minors are transgender. Texas has proposed more than 40 bills targeting transgender youth, a trend that falls amid a wave of similar legislation being debated in state houses in Alabama, 
Idaho and elsewhere. A study published late last year in the peer-reviewed Journal of Adolescent Health found that hormone therapy strongly correlated with a lower risk of suicide for transgender youth. Meanwhile, Republican Texas Governor Greg Abbott and Democrat Beto O'Rourke won their party's gubernational nominations on Tuesday, as the state's first-in-the-nation primary contests kicked off the race to the November 8 general election. Supreme Court nominee Katanji Brown-Jackson began courting senators on Capitol Hill yesterday, making her case for confirmation in private meetings as Democrats worked to move her through the Senate within weeks. Senate Democrats concerned about their narrow 50-50 majority announced on Wednesday that Jackson's hearings will begin March 21st, just three weeks after President Joe Biden nominated her to replace retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. With the goal of an April confirmation, they are using Justice Amy Coney Barrett's quick confirmation ahead of the 2020 presidential election as a model for Jackson, who would be the first black woman to serve as a justice in the court's 200-plus year history. Senate Judiciary Committee Chairman Dick Durbin called the quick confirmation process a contemporary standard on Wednesday, while acknowledging that part of the reason for the rapid timeline was because of his party's tenuous hold on the Senate. There's no reason to wait, Durbin said, even though Breyer has said he won't leave the bench until summer. He noted that the committee is also familiar with Jackson, who was just confirmed as an appeals court judge last year and had been confirmed by the Senate two times before that. The sped-up timeline is just one byproduct of increased partisanship and a decade of gradual rule changes in the once collegial Senate. The majority party knows it can win confirmation with a simple majority and bipartisan outreach is more symbolic than necessary. So far, there have been few surprises with Jackson, who has been a federal judge for nine years and is well-liked by members of both parties. You can subscribe to 5-Minute News on YouTube with your preferred podcast app. Ask your smart speaker or enable 5-Minute News as your Amazon Alexa flash briefing skill. Subscribe, rate and review online at 5minute.news. 5-Minute News is an evergreen podcast covering politics, inequality, health and climate, delivering independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. This is Peter. And this is Tom. We want to tell you guys a little bit about our podcast. Tom and I met in college, became best friends, and then teachers almost 20 years ago. Sometimes school just does not allow us to elaborate on the topics that we find interesting, like the real shark attacks that inspired the movie Jaws, or the real historical context to Indiana Jones artifacts. Where does cereal come from? Or are zombies real? Does Ben Franklin really deserve to be on a $100 bill? On our podcast, just like in our class, there are no stupid questions. Just two friends having a lighthearted conversation about history, pop culture, and the context of current events. Listen to History Teachers Talking Podcast from Evergreen Network, anywhere you get your podcasts.